I don't give a fuck who's on that plane. I'm the baddest motherfucker on the planet. I am Darius Grouch the third, the rumble, and I am taking down the money plane. Now bring me my money. So do we still like this retro thing for what it is? Nostalgia goggles heavy on those things when we were kids. I've got the memories of falling while my hair is turning gray. I'm thinking back on all the things that were better yesterday. So for all those things nostalgic, I also do is to like this. So for all those things nostalgic, I also do is to like this. Well, this is it. Another January comes to a close. One of my favorite themed months of the year. Yes, indeed, dude. I, I've listened to every episode, and I gotta say, there must there seems to have been some legitimate agony in some of these viewings. I mean, Fatal Findings was a very, but that was a great time. Yes, and then Cool Cat Saves the Kids would have been awful on our own, but because <laughs> we watched it together, that elevated it to a much different experience yeah like i said to you when i listened to the episode dude i swear when i saw the title i thought it was cool cat the old looney tunes character you know the not one of the most beloved looney tunes characters but towards the tail end of the classic looney tunes era cool cat was the character and i thought how on earth did that guy get a movie but apparently it was not that cool cat it was a very different cool cat Apparently not at all beloved because I don't even know who that is. When you you sent me that picture, it's like, I don't know. I don't know this. Oh, man, dude. So everybody needs to look him up because basically he was a tiger who was like a beatnik because he came out around like the late 60s when Looney Tunes cartoons were not very good. And they tried to build cartoons around this beatnik tiger character. And surprise, surprise, it didn't go very well. I will not be looking that up, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, all you listeners at home, look up I appreciate cool cat, it. Look up oh, Cool Cat, then write Saves the Kids. <laughs> and then the, the Steven Seagal movie dude sounded terrible. Oh, yeah, even watching that together didn't really elevate that. Yeah. It was kind of just not... It, like a few funny parts of which I tried to stitch into the episode, but other than that, it was kind of just boring. I'm guessing, dude, most of the episodes you did about these movies were better than the actual movies. So, Because I, I listen mean, to the podcast, but I'm not going to watch any of the movies. I still think everyone should watch Faithful Findings because we we played a few clips from it in the episode. But that's like the whole movie is just. Consistently. <laughs> why? Like every single scene could have its own episode of why were any of these decisions made? And now the question I have too is that was it? And I know I think you guys brought it up during the tele or during the podcast, but was it like meant to be bad? Or I, I think you guys said it seems sincere, which it makes seems it better. Sincere, yeah. yeah. I think I read somewhere that some of his later movies start to seem like maybe he's leaned into it a bit, and you know, nudge, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'm in on the joke, but this doesn't feel like that. This just feels yeah. like a guy who had complete control over a movie, but didn't have, didn't have skills to excel in any one area and yet chose to do all of the areas. Yes. Cause not to jump the gun, but I think the movie we're going to discuss today 
was done sincerely, I think. Yeah. I don't think they meant it to be bad. They had, you know, their best intentions at heart. It just turned out that, hey, the, a lot of these people didn't know what they were doing. We being my brother, Chris, who has not been <laughs> yes. introduced yet. But Hey, everybody. Yes. Big brother, Chris, back after a long hiatus. Holy smokes. We were just dude, waiting. We were waiting for the perfect project. It feels like, dude, I'm being, whoops, I'm being punished. Ah. I know. Sorry. That was my fault. So it feels like I'm being punished because my very first episode of So Do We Still Like This was my favorite movie of all time, Lethal Weapon 2, followed by Maximum Overdrive, which is not a very good movie. Objectively the best movie of all time. <laughs> followed by the movie you're about to introduce, which again was something I never even heard of until you asked me to participate in this Okay, program. that was my question. So we are here to discuss a more recent film. This is 2020's Money Plane. Yes. Do not worry about forgetting the title <laughs> of this movie because someone says the phrase money plane every 13 seconds. Oh, probably. my goodness. Hey. If you made it a drinking game, you would be an alcoholic by the end of this movie. You'd money be plane is mentioned so many times. It's almost like, hey, we don't we have to finish this sentence somehow. I just throw in money plane, which That's- makes it. What makes it even better is Money Plane is a super stupid name. It's a very stupid name, and it has no connection whatsoever to the beloved Wesley Snipes, Woody Harrelson movie, Money Train, which I actually had heard of. So, unfortunately, this was not a sequel to that movie. This movie was on my radar because I remember it came out, like, I mean, it came out in 2020. Everyone remembers what we were all doing, (laughs) which was nothing. So I guess this that movie came out and everyone was just, I remember, excited that there was a movie that had come out in any form. So I remember seeing all this talk of like money, like, oh, money plane is the perfect bad movie for the pandemic. Like, just forget your worries and watch this stupid, not good, but <laughs> kind of entertaining movie. And I almost bought the Blu-ray at the time. Oh, wow. <laughs> Didn't. <laughs> Forgot completely about it. And then I don't even remember how it kept got back onto my radar. But when I was looking at potential movies for this, I was like, oh, shit, money plane. Yeah, I cannot because, again, I follow movies quite closely, both popular movies and not so popular movies. How this movie slipped through my radar, I have no idea. It's like literally no clue this movie existed. And it's not like it's filled with like no names like. Kelsey Grammer, TV's Kelsey... beloved Fraser Crane is in this movie. Someone online wrote that they must have paid him in cigars, and I appreciate it. Oh, man, this guy is just, yes. And I don't know, do we think he seems to be kind of having fun? Like, he seems he? like he's having a great time. And there is yeah. a quote from him that basically said, it just seemed like a fun mustache twirling villain role. Yeah, so you can tell he's... that he was just like, I'm just going to go for it. Because normally he's like very like, you know, even when he plays Sideshow Bob on The Simpsons, he's very, you know, formal and repressed and very like smart and eloquent no matter what he's talking about. And in this movie, he's just bananas off the wall, screaming like a lunatic, making yeah. no sense. And yeah, you can tell it's like he must have just, you know, had a blast because this is so unlike anything that he normally gets to do. So, yeah, it was probably one half day of shooting. He probably got most of the film's budget 
Oh yeah, he with. never moves from that table, right? He's sitting at a table in his front for the whole movie. He never moves. I'm sure they shot his scenes of like an hour, I mean, like between breaks on the Frasier reboot. He's like, yeah, let's just get this you know, money plane thing done and you know, give me my cigars and let me go home. He stands up and fires a gun at off-screen villains at one point. <laughs> which was a, That's true. This is the only time he stands. And this is a very, and we'll get into the plot, but there's not much to say, really. There's a lot of, because at the end, like, it feels weird to go straight to the end, but at the end, like, Kelsey Grammer is about to face, like, a threat. And you never actually see it. There's just lots of like, oh, they're coming. They're coming to get you. And then he fires a gun <laughs> off camera. But weirdly, this is happening, but we can't show you. Yes. Is a big thing in this movie because obviously oh, they shot man. it for nothing. There's no budget to this movie. Like they're clearly just shooting in people's homes, in like hotel lobbies. Like my favorite there is bit. No production value to this movie whatsoever. I knew we were in for a good time because at the beginning, the caption on the screen says art museum. Oh, the art art museum is just like warehouse back room that let us film there. That's in my notes. That's my very first note. I I knew what kind of movie I was in for when the literally the first title. It doesn't even say what the name of the art museum is, where the art museum is. It's just art museum. That art museum, the one in the American art museum, the only one they have. Yeah, apparently, yes. It's like, it, yeah. And an art museum with like literally no art to be seen. Nope. <laughs> like nothing. They didn't have money for that. So no money for art. It's, it's just a yeah. room. Uh, and we are introduced to our hero. I don't remember his name. I know he's played by former WWE wrestler Edge. Yeah, I don't uh, remember his character's name. I remember does, Frazier Crane's character's name because he says it <laughs> repeatedly himself. We should mention, I guess, but Kelsey Graham is like the bad guy, right? That's why he gets yes, to be Kelsey Graham the, is the main villain of the movie. Uh, I remember uh, Darius the Rumble Grouch. There we go. I, know, I had to look his, up. His I had name to look up the first name. Darius Grouch. It's like they're not even like, oh, we need to give him a cool name that, that signifies he's kind of a grouch. Oh, yeah. We'll just put it in Grouch for now. And then later on, we'll put in something really good. And then they just forgot and left yeah, it in Grouch. They got there on the day and went, fuck. It's like Kelsey Grammer is like, I don't have time to memorize another name. I got to be back on the Frasier set in like five minutes. Just I'm, I'm Darius Grouch. Darius like, the yes. Rumble Grouch. Yeah. You know, uh, no relation to Oscar the Grouch, I assume. He doesn't work for the WWE anymore now. So Edge is just credited as uh, Adam Copeland, which is <laughs> why I didn't, I didn't realize until we started the movie. It's like, holy shit, that's Edge. And Rob's a big wrestling guy. So I messaged him was like, Edge is in this movie. He's like, is it Edge or is it Adam Copeland? So he filled me in on what that means. I was like, I don't know. I was going to say, this it is like Edge, a, but he's not credited as Edge. This and feels like why. somebody Rob would know because I had no idea what this guy was. Is he Was he a good guy in wrestling? Was he a bad guy in wrestling? Was he when just Rob a, hears this episode, he can message in that and tell, tell us. Okay, well, yeah, you know, because, maybe he's still, we were texting about wrestling earlier because more allegations of Vince McMahon being a piece of shit have come out. Yeah, what a bummer man just ugh. like I, I mean it's not shocking unfortunately and yeah but i have heard that yeah. surprise surprise vince mcmahon's done some terrible awful horrible shit so all right I'm but yeah the the edge i don't know and is this did you look him up on the good old imdb dude has this guy done anything before or since uh he, he doesn't feel like the best wrestler turned actor that i've seen in a movie to this date so fittingly we are watching 
the Percy Jackson series on Disney Plus. Oh, I and haven't started watching that yet. So. He's on that. He's Aries, and oh, good. like, but he he's having a bit more fun on Percy Jackson. So yeah, I think that's that kind that of helps. the thing with this movie. Like, he doesn't get to do anything. He's just he so spends sixty percent of the movie in a cockpit in front of a green screen. Dude, again, this that's a, what have I ever known? For the hero of the movie to have to do. He's just flying just pretend the plane to fly the whole time. Plane. Yeah, it makes no sense. He gets into that one fight with like the giant co-pilot, which is kind of one of the only semi-amusing moments in the movie when the co-pilot stands up and he's a monster. It's like, okay, that's kind of amusing. And then they fight. And then, yeah, he's sitting in the cockpit of the plane like for the rest of the movie. It's insane. The only other bit is his... I don't remember her name either because he has a team of people because this is technically a heist movie has maybe the worst fight scene I've ever seen (laughs) in a movie. I I know we're jumping ahead, but this is also in my notes when she's fighting. And I guess we should say like, yeah, this is a heist movie. He's got his little gang of like, there's the lady who's tough and there's the wacky tech guy who's not wacky at all. He's He's just just like, nope, he's the (laughs) like awful. He's the leader. Like, oh yeah, you guys get it. It's a heist yeah, movie. Everyone a has a role. Movie. But yeah, she's like the tough girl who gets into the fights because they cast a wrestler to fly the plane. So she gets to do all the fighting. Does she tear off a guy's ears? I thought so. <laughs> it looked to me like she grabbed this guy by the head and ripped off his ears. Like, wow. That she's is, definitely that holding something. I don't know what else it could be. It's got to be his ears. I was too focused on how that whole fight was poorly edited, but also just really felt like they didn't have enough time to rehearse. So it was just like, I'll throw a punch and then you throw your punch. Like it just very much felt like two people going, now I do this. Yeah. Now you do that. (laughs) Cut. Out and of all the things, like the action scene in the movie, and <laughs> of all the things in this movie that are not well done, the editing might be the worst. Because even when he's sitting in that cockpit, just sitting there flying his plane, there's jump cuts galore. It's like, what? Do you, why do you need a jump cut? He's sitting in a chair because they need to make it sort of seem like something exciting is happening, oh, so we don't gosh. sit and go, "Man, the Edge has been flying this plane for <laughs> forty-one minutes now." Sorry, dude, I should let you do the plot, because I guess for people that are out there wondering, yeah. why are they on a plane? Why are they, why are they on a money what plane? Going? What yeah, is a money so- plane? So, okay, so at the beginning, they're in uh, the American Art Museum, and they're there to steal a painting for Darius, Darius the, the Rumble Grouch. <laughs> That's right. And it's not there. And so Darius, the Rumble Grouch, is not a, not happy. He wants his He's, fucking painting. I want my fucking he, painting. I bought your debt. You owe money to a lot of bad people, Edge. And I bought your debt and you got to. So here's what you're going to do to make it up to me. There's a casino flying around in the sky. And instead of giving it a cool name, it's called the money plane. Because people gamble on an airplane. Yes. Money plane. (laughs) And you're going to. It's like loaded with cryptocurrency and you're going to download all the cryptocurrency and give that to me and now we're square 
I know this. Listen, I, I'm thinking, do you even need to go on the plane to steal cryptocurrency? Couldn't you just I'm not like, tap into the plane and that, but probably the, I know none of this movie. Like, again, you know, I'm not the brightest guy in the world. And I'm thinking this movie should not be hard to follow. But I, I don't understand what Darius the Grouch's plan is. Like, I don't understand, like, because he it's ends crypto. up like he wants the cryptocurrency. He wants the cryptocurrency, but then we find out later in the movie that it's all just a ruse, and he just wants the, the the heist guys to be dead. Why? Why does he want the heist guys to be dead? I don't. That part just escaped me. I had no if idea. The movie needed a plot twist, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> I know. None yeah, of that makes is the twist is that they find out because uh, Thomas Jane is in this movie, oh, also no. cashing a paycheck. His big Andy action ever. scene is he gets to sit in a chair. And fly a drone and go like, oh, rough day for you. As he uses a drone wielding a handgun <laughs> yes. that shoots a bunch of people in a field. Yeah, but uh, that's later. That's on. all he's yeah. there. That's all he's there to do. <laughs> and to play just, video games with the wrestler's uh, girl. Did yeah. they play a video game at some point? That's his other big action scene. He's playing a video game. With- well, that's to set up that he can fly a drone that uh, it, that is holding a handgun. Yes, yes, exactly. Because we need we to know believe it of- if we hadn't seen him playing a video game in the yeah. scene before that. Yeah, duct taping a handgun to a drone. We never would have believed the technical marvel that would have been Thomas unbelievable. Capable of. So he, yeah. Well, anyway, okay. So what the money planes whole thing is? It's got like um. Almost like a hostile thing. Like it's a bunch of rich people betting on. Yeah. And by a bunch awful. of rich people, there's like three people. Three people. <laughs> a bunch of rich, awful, evil. And they're all evil, right? Because he yeah. says, oh, these are the worst of the worst. You have to pretend you're the worst of the worst because all the heist guys have to pretend to be other people in order to get on the plane. Yeah. And so they I forget. Criminals. Yeah, so he's like a human. He pretends to be a human trafficker or something. It doesn't matter. None of it, like you know, it does, yeah, none of it is relevant. A weird to extended scene where the other criminals are like, "You're disgusting, human trafficking." He's like, "Okay." Yeah, the one criminal is bragging about all his stuff. Yeah, I've I've been dealing bombs to the to other countries since I was ten. But you're a human trafficker. Ew, you're the worst. Just like, oh my lord. Yeah. So they set up. Well, Kelsey Grammer very succinctly when he's talking about the money plane says, you can bet on anything. You want to bet on a man fucking an alligator? Money plane. It's like, what would that bet even be? But it doesn't matter because the main thing they do on the money plane is just play poker. Yeah, they play poker. I'm like, this is really, this is all you're going to do? It's just like, all right, everybody gather. And then Joey Lawrence shows up. All of the Lawrences are in this movie. It's mad. One of them directed it. Man, so yeah, Joey Lawrence is like the head of the plane, right? And then he's got a little other guy that's kind of like the co-head of the plane. And they organize all the horrible illegal activities for all these horrible illegal people. And it's literally, hey guys, we're going to play cards. Really? Like the poker scene, <laughs> when they first start doing it, three or four minutes long of oh, just yeah. poker? It's like, we're, we're just going to watch people playing poker now? And... I know people love watching televised poker. I know there's like, you know, programs dedicated to poker. I'm not a big fan of watching people play poker, let alone it was supposed to be a big action scene taking place on the money plane. Yeah, and it goes nowhere. And then the wrestler just says, like, oh, well, I've had enough. I'm going to get up and go. And then his little buddy has to fill in for him and do all the other gambling things 
so that the wrestler can go off and beat up the pilots and take over the plane, basically. Yeah. And that's, I guess, the joke of the movie is that the tech guy just keeps winning. Yeah. It never becomes a thing. I kept waiting for it to be, yeah, this guy might be cheating and, you know, there'd be some tension. Nope. Never. No, happens. there's there's just nothing. You're really good at this. Nothing at all. I will say the only, because at one point they play Russian roulette with like the most doofusy cowboy cliche character ever. It's like, hey, everybody. A cowboy hat. I want to play some poker. I got a gun. Time for Russian roulette. The only amusing part of that whole scene is that immediately he blows his head off. Yeah. Like there's not First even shot. any. Yeah. I, there are a couple moments in this movie that are clearly intended to be funny and all, and like that is one yeah. of them. I and it kind of works. Boom, and he's done. And then there was another decent one where they're, they're walking through the plane, and I think it's Joey Lawrence or one of the guys who just all of a sudden stops and casually shoots a poker player in the back of the head and then just pulls a car like a card out of that guy's sleeve. And it's just like, don't forget, everyone, we have a very strict no policy or a very strict policy on cheating. Okay, that was a decent little gag. But yeah, those were the only two. It does seem like the movie's playing it pretty straight. Yeah. And it's well, you go in case I switch it away to something too different. Oh, no, I was going to say it's bizarre that the only two funny moments in the entire movie both involve getting some, someone getting shot in the head. Yeah, that's the level of humor. Where it's like those two scenes where guys get shot in the head were kind of amusing. The rest of the movie, it, it, it's that was the one thing. And this is kind of, you know, like my sort of general thoughts on the movie. It didn't. It wasn't fun. Like I was kind of bummed because when at the beginning where it's like art museum and then like there's like there's a scene where like during the art museum, like his buddies in the van, like telling, OK, go to this place, go to this place. And he pulls out a map that looks like it was drawn by like a two year old. It's just circles and squares. It's like it's not an actual map to anything. And I'm thinking, OK, this is going to be kind of a fun, bad movie. And then it's just not. It just that's kind of it doesn't, it's not fun anymore. Like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Like the the biggest entertainment I had is just because you can tell how low budget it is. It's like, so low budget. There's a great bit where we finally start to see some of the other wagers, and the wager is who's gonna win when a man this man's gonna fight this snake. Yeah, and they never once show a snake. I know it's just a dude it's, rolling around. In it's a just pit. a dude rolling around going, yeah, yeah. And then snake noises and then it cuts and then it cuts back and he's like been bit and is all swollen. So yeah. you just are watching a man pretend to wrestle a snake that they had no money to put in the movie. Yeah. It's probably some poor schlub that was like working on the crew and they were like, Hey, we need a dude guy. We need a guy to pretend he's like getting attacked by a snake. Yeah. Yeah. Bill, go jump in that pit, roll around for like 15 minutes and we'll make something out of it. It's, it's, it's pretty bad. And then they do it again with an alligator. They like do. A scenes later. And it so, looks like the same dude. It's like, it's, it's probably yeah. the same guy. It's like, Hey, Bill, you're wrestling a crocodile this time. Make it look a little different, but you know, don't really bother. It's fine. So that stuff was funny and just like clearly the plane set is just like this is probably where they shot the art museum scene. Oh, yeah. Put some curtains up over here and it's a plane now. Oh, man. Lots of nothing like a plane. Like whenever they're not in either the cockpit or I don't know, like the 
body of the airplane. I don't know what you would call it, which looks extremely small. Oh, yeah. So no wonder sure. they can only take two or three rich people at a time because yeah. there's no room for anyone else. <laughs> but whenever they're anywhere else in the plane, they just kind of shoot it in darkness. Like there's just black around yeah. everybody. So it barely looks like they're even in a set. Oh, yeah. They probably just, like I said, they took the art museum and put up like what looks like the drapes from the old Johnny Carson Tonight Show and just say, okay, now it's a plane. Now it's the money plane. Yeah, because that's what I think of when I think of plane. It's like, yes, you know, curtains, curtains. from 1972. Curtains everywhere. <laughs> curtains. And again, I don't want to like pick apart the fact that, you know, like this movie does it like these people are clearly not on a plane. They're standing all the time. Like it, it looks like no point. Well, like they're flying anywhere. Like well, I mean, they do make it very clear that these this plane is piloted by the world's best pilots because when they take off, someone oh, yeah. goes, "Ooh, smooth takeoff!" It's like, yes. what does that even mean? Uh, yeah, the, the pilot is many co pilot. I can't think. I've been on you know fifteen, twenty planes or more in my lifetime, and I don't think I can picture one time where I went, "Oof." rough takeoff like they've all felt normal yeah so it no. was a smooth take oh we have the world's <laughs> best pilots here <laughs> yes again just to like yeah so we gotta we gotta figure out some way that pe- they know that these are the best pilots in the world i just have some guy say it like no oh, that was a smooth takeoff i think things are gonna be great i'm gonna stand and play cards for the entire ride. like it honestly felt like someone was like someone's gonna question why everyone doesn't act like they're on it's like uh because they're the great pilots they say they're great pilots yeah and uh, apparently the edge is also the greatest pilot ever because when he takes over and flies the plane for like half no, of the movie no one nobody notices, notices. <laughs> like so, man everything's great good yeah perfect I also noted because we skipped past uh, Denise Richards is in this movie, kind of. Oh, I know. I felt so bad. Sort of. Denise Richards. <laughs> She's like his wife, right? Just his dedicated wife was like, oh, no, you have. Does she even know what he does for a living? I couldn't even gather. She's like, I don't not think... in the movie enough to even know. Like, I don't think she knows what he does for a living. I think she thinks he's like an accountant or I got to work late today, hon. I got a lot of stuff to do. It's like, OK, well, have fun at the office. Meanwhile, he's on the money plane dealing like, you know, dealing with the worst criminals in the world and Kelsey Grammer. She has maybe 50 seconds of screen time. If She's that, in one oh that goodness. one scene before between you need to go to the money plane and going on the money plane because this movie without credits is 75 minutes long. So there's not a lot oh. of time. It would be and like she- 55 minutes long if they took out all the times they said money plane. And that would make and it an even shorter. <laughs> My favorite review on Letterboxd, all it is is points. That's the money plane. Somebody, and I don't know why, but that review made me laugh. So they really thought, like, man, they had come up with the most ingenious movie title ever because they really are proud of Money Plane. Like, they cannot say that enough. It's like, I, it feels like you know, oh, they're just making fun because it's a really silly bad movie. They literally say Money Plane almost at the end of every constantly. Sentence. Yeah, it's like, hey, Bill, how's it going, Money Plane? Like, it, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. Can I have some coffee, please, Money Plane? All so Math- Matthew Lawrence was the Russian roulette cowboy. And then, yeah, Joey Lawrence is the concierge. And Andrew Lawrence is also the director. Wow. So this was like... And this was a, a Lawrence pet project. This is like, like all the Lawrence family believed so much in this project. Yeah. This is basically what Oppenheimer was to Christopher Nolan. Money Plane is 
to Joey Lawrence and his family. Yeah, this a, is Joey a dream Lawrence they've Oppenheimer. Had. This is his opus. I have a dream, and it's oh, called apparently, Money Plane. Apparently, Rift Tracks did this movie. I might have to do that. I might have to check that out because, yeah. Tom then, Arnold was originally cast as the cowboy. Uh, Doesn't say why he didn't do it. <laughs> Gee, I can't imagine why. Even Tom Arnold has standards. He's like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'll pass on that. It's, yeah, I've, I've got to do like Big Bully 2. The down most downvoted piece of trivia is despite popular belief, this movie has no connection to Money Train. <laughs> As I already mentioned earlier, yes. It is a bummer that it has no connection, yes, to, you know, again, you know, I don't even remember Money Train being that good, but I'm sure it's. I've never seen Money Train, but. <laughs> I looked at the runtime just now, and it's a half hour longer than Money Plane. So it was it was during that brief era where Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson were like a cool buddy duo, because of course there was White Man Can't Jump and Money Train. So that was, but they were well, they were a jab. era. <laughs> no, I guess not much of an era when I think something, about it. But. Something just happened twice. But White Man Can't Jump is a very good movie. If, if if you guys listening to this have never seen White Man Can't Jump, I didn't see the. Uh, I did TV see the remake. Show. Yeah, I imagine it, was it wasn't as good. Fine, I don't remember the original that well, so yeah, it feels like the White Man Can't Jump remake again. It's just one of those movies that doesn't you doesn't even exist. It's just like hey, like many many movies that come directly out on streaming, it just that vaporates into the ether, never to be seen again. Yeah, it's I forget. Maybe it was Joe Blow or someone it made their like top 10 worst of the oh. year. And it's just like, I can't, I can't even imagine disliking it enough to do that because it's just such nothing that I don't know how you could ever be like, that was one of the worst movies of the year. Oh, sorry, dude, you were breaking up there. So I didn't, I didn't hear the last uh, sentence you said. So I went on an extended thing about pick how weird it is to pick white men can't jump the remake as a, the worst movie of one of the worst movies of the year, which oh, somebody, did. somebody, actually I think it was, one, I think it was Joe blow. It was some movie website. It was like six or seven on their worst movies of the year. It's like, just, it's such a like two and a half to three star experience that I can't imagine unless like the original was your favorite movie of all time. But yeah, that's what it kind of feels with a lot of, again, the straight to streaming movies. It's just kind of like a, just an average two and a half, instantly forgotten movie speaking yeah. of that by the way oh my gosh dude. so i was during this money plane movie i could not help but think of the movie lift yeah which was recently released on netflix lift is like if you gave money plane more money i know but movie. i i gotta tell you dude which movie did you enjoy more money plane or lift I mean, it's two very different experiences. <laughs> I probably enjoyed my time with Money Plane more because there was more to be like, this is dumb and this is silly. Whereas Lyft was just, this is the most like, des like just designed to be a six out of 10 movie. Like, I yeah. just can't, I can't picture a world of giving it like a three or anything higher than like a six. Like, I just don't know how you could watch that movie and go oh my gosh oh lift loved it yeah so good i gotta like, say dude if i was to tell somebody like which movie to watch i would honestly watch money plane because at least it's done with like you know 
like, again, you know, Matthew Lawrence and his family, you know, their opus, at least it was done with sincerity and with some level of heart with a very low budget. Lift, again, is another heist movie that takes place for the most part on a plane is just soulless, slapped together, you know, like algorithms. This is what people like kind of movie. And they do the worst thing of all, the most criminal thing you can do as a movie. They waste the talents of Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. It was in lift and does nothing. It's awful. He's the Denise Richards of lift. He is. He does nothing. He's like, he's, it's even worse than Denise Richards. Thomas Jane in this movie had more to do than I know. Big Vinny D does. He is part of the crew in Lyft, and he gets to do nothing. Denise Richards is not part of the crew. Yeah, he's basically the Thomas, what Thomas Jane is to Money Plane, Vincent and Operate is to Lyft. And even like the silly graphics in Money Plane were like we were saying before, art museum or undisclosed location, Money Plane. And then Lyft tries so hard with like, oh, look at our graphics. Aren't they cool? And they blend into the scenery and it's all, and it's just like, ugh. So yeah, I, as much as I'm not a big fan of Money Plane, I would watch it over the movie Lift in a heartbeat. Yeah. So of the it's got two, that going for it. Like of the weirdly two stealing things on a plane movies that we've watched in the last couple weeks. Yeah, I would agree. It is odd. Yeah. When when yeah, when you told me about this movie and I started watching, like, this is the same as Lift, which came out like four years after this movie. So Lift is literally lifting the plot of Money Plane. Yep. So there you, you go. heard it here. That's right. Undeniable. Undeniable proof that Kevin Hart must have watched Money Plane and thought, I can do this movie, yeah. but soulless. I want one of these. Yeah. Like, are, are you sure? You're, you <laughs> yes. don't need to resort to movies like this just yet. Yeah. So, but I yeah. want my Money Plane. <laughs> That's right. And then, yeah, so I guess uh, before we went off on our <laughs> tangent about Netflix movies and Lyft, I think we were basically at the point where what, like the, the he's flying the plane for the entire movie. Somehow they find out that uh, Darius Grouch has once again uh, set them up. You know, he's not actually not wanting them to take the money. He wants them dead for reasons we still haven't quite figured out. Well, Thomas Jane figures it out. He's like, hey, Thomas Jane, we're buddies. Can you? Can you figure out like where where's this painting? Where did this painting go? That like who who actually stole the painting that we were supposed to steal? Oh yeah, and like an hour later, he's like, oh, I found it. Uh, no, no one stole it. It's like it's literally like hanging somewhere. They're not even doing a good job of. He's like, where's the real one? Oh, it's hanging in this like public space. Yeah, it's somewhere. It's at another art museum. There's only two in the world, so it's like, not at the so- one we were at. It's at the other one. It seems like it shouldn't have been that easy to discover Darius's big plan, especially like the painting he's trying to, you know, hide the fact that it hasn't been stolen. I know. Maybe and displaying then, it prominently somewhere isn't the way to do that. But and again, that plan makes no sense because, yeah, like back in the beginning, before they get on the money plane, the painting that the wrestler is supposed to steal for Darius Grouch is not there, which is why he has to go on the money plane what <laughs> why because well, he because he owes him money i guess but i mean it's why? the way that's how kelsey Grammer convinces them to go on the plane is but then he sets the, them up 
Then he says, but what's interesting again. is he goes mostly because he's like, I'm going to kill your family. He's like, you probably could have just done that. You didn't even need to do the I bought all your debt thing. Well, yeah, I guess that does make sense because he wants control over him. Like, I own all your debt and I'll wipe it clean. Yeah, I guess. You go on the money plane. I got to say, too, the money plane has like the best Wi-Fi ever. I've been on many an airplane. That's true. Well, you got to do it better. We got to turn your phone on airplane mode. They're like watching like dudes wrestle imaginary snakes and imaginary alligators. Like uh, Kelsey Grammer is calling the wrestler in the cockpit like, hey, how's it going? Let's have code names and be all cool. You're the colonel. I'm the captain. And he tries to be all funny via video link. And like the Wi-Fi on this plane is very impressive. Like, man, they're just there's no connection things. There's no nothing. The connections are as solid as can be. So so money well spent, money playing on that Wi-Fi. I'm just, because uh, I was on the Wikipedia page checking something. I do have the budget for this movie, apparently down to the dollar. <laughs> I think if, uh, if I think I might have read the same number. So I will tell you the number and see if it's the same number. Is it $618 or is that what it made? That's what it made. <laughs> okay, that's what it made. $618. All members of the Joey Lawrence family were the ones that spent that $618 to go see Money Plane. That definitely means it played in one theater for one week, I'm guessing. Yeah. Or it just played at like Joey Lawrence's house and he just had people over and they had to pay like 10 bucks to get into the screening. Uh, the actual budget was apparently $586,443, which is so specific. I don't know that I believe that. These are very specific numbers. Wow. Like, yeah, the amount of money it made, the amount of money they spent down to the penny. Like, my goodness. Maybe Joey was just very, very forthcoming. I guess. I guess no, it was Andrew. Andrew directed it. Even that sounds like a lot. Like, holy smokes. Like, they spent half a million dollars on this movie. Like, well, you figure Kelsey Grammer got a cool hundred thousand. It probably went, yeah, probably meant mostly to Thomas Jane can still command decent five-figure numbers for something like this yeah i feel out of all the guys like i mean clearly like you know kelsey Grammer's having fun and it's like yeah he's still doing fine i do feel a bit bummed about thomas jane because he was a guy at one point right like he made good movies and oh, he, deep blue sea and, yeah and uh we all love the mist like that the mist know, is great i'm one of the few people who thinks his version of the punisher wasn't that bad yeah, I don't know if I can. At the very that. least, he was very good in it. He was okay in it. I remember John Travolta had crossed the line of, "Oh, you're not really a fun bad guy anymore. You're just an annoying bad guy." If I remember correctly, wasn't he in the Thomas Jane version of the Punisher? He was. I don't yes. remember enough about it to say what about that, but, but yeah, like he's got like he's in the Scott Pilgrim movie. He is one of the best like most quoted stuff from the Scott Pilgrim movie. Yeah. So. And he's a good actor. Like, again, I, I keep going back to the miss because that's the one I think people most think of when they think of Thomas Jane. He's really good in that movie. Like if it you is. folks have, if you folks listening, haven't seen the mist, I won't spoil anything, but man, I remember leaving the theater after watching the mist and the usher, because that this was so long ago, there were like actually ushers that were kind of like showing people out the theater once the movie ended. He was like, wow, that ending, eh? He just looked, he could tell by the looks on our faces leaving the yeah. theater how, yeah. So, anyway, watch The Mist if you haven't watched it, everybody. And you can look and think, oh man, Thomas Jane used to be a guy. Now, yeah, he's 
taping guns to drones and pretending to shoot I, things. At the very least, I wouldn't say he's phoning in his performance. He just doesn't have a lot to do as a character. But like he seems like, he feels well, like he's all act. I'll bring you the Jane goods. And then he feels like he's trying it. It's, it's, it's tough to compare because I know you guys do the Goodwill is hunting and a lot of Bruce Willis movies, you know, before we knew what was going on with Bruce, it's like, oh, you know, he's phoning it in. And, you know, it, Thomas Jane has never felt that way. Yeah. Like, even though he's doing these kind of direct to DVD, very low budget movies, he's still at least giving some sort of effort. Right. Yeah. He and Kelsey Grammer are definitely the highlights. Like Edge, no, it's not great. Yeah. Again, not much of a character to work with. His team is bad. Bad. Has he ever do? Has he has he appeared in a Bruce Willis movie? Have they have the two paths? Have the cross? Have the streams crossed? At Thomas some point? Jane. Yeah, we did that. Bruce Willis and Thomas Jane. Yeah, it was Vice. We did that one. Oh, that's and, right. Uh, and and Breach. Was he was awful, in Breach was too. Oh. <laughs> I remember you guys said Breach was actually pretty good, right? We're the only two people on the planet who see me. It's got like a 1.1 average or something like that on Letterboxd. And we were the only two people who were like, I don't know. Oh, he's in another one called Vendetta but that we haven't watched yet. Which oh, is Bruce Willis, Thomas Jane, and Mike Tyson. <laughs> so we haven't done that I, one yet. I think I remember you guys talking about this in like a previous podcast, but it almost feels like they're just like, you know, sets next to each other and like Thomas Jane, hey, you're wanted on the set of this Bruce Willis movie. And then can you go down here to be on the set of this, you know, Steve? Yeah, Zagal I think we movie. talked about it in the Good Man episode that there's just a slate of like 10 people that they're just like, who's in the office today? Yeah. Like, well, you know, Thomas Jane has to leave soon, but he's here and Jesse Bradford is here. And uh, this, uh, the Lala Kent or whatever her name is, is here. It's like, all right, we can film a movie with them. You know, it's kind of falling into this category now, which is also kind of a bummer. And I can't think of his name. The guy that plays Two-Face in The Dark Knight. Oh, um, I know. Eckhart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's got becoming that one of those guys. He's got that bricklayer movie, though, that I've heard's not bad. It's like Ready yeah. Harlan directed it. I, I do like this new thing now where they're again, they're not even like it's almost similar to Money Plane. Right. Ah, oh, but it's called it Money Plane. Like whatever the job title of the person is is the name of the movie. He's apparently, the beekeeper. He's the bricklayer. Apparently he does He's the someone with a brick. So it's like, you know what? Perfect. Like, at least he you're going to deliver on that. He better. Because, yes, if you're like, as I know, at one point, there's a movie called The Baker with Ron Perlman as the baker. And he hits a guy with a rolling pin. I'm like, all right, good for you. Yep. You know, use the tools at hand, right? So. Should probably can. Uh, yeah. So Kelsey Grammer betrayed them. And God, how do they, they, they like basically just tell the money plane, but like, Hey, <laughs> Kelsey is yeah. trying to steal a bunch of money from you. And the money plane goes, well, we're the money plane. So that's, so we're going to send a bunch of people to his house to murder him. Yeah. I don't want to say what the actual quote is because that might be the quote that I will use later on in the program. But yeah, basically what, basically what happens is the wrestler. It's the same quote. I assume we're both like, <laughs> my name is. Yeah. I assume it's. Yeah. That. I know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the easiest quote I in the world. But it literally, it literally is going to be my quote. I but might I actually thought... also play that quote to open the episode because I've been doing that this month. But oh, we'll yeah. See. Please do, dude. Because yeah, it's, it is again. The two scenes involving people getting shot in the head and this Kelsey Grammer rant 
are the three amusing moments in the movie. And so, yeah, so he records Kelsey Grammer losing his mind and plays it for the rest of the plane. And it's like, oh, isn't that Kelsey Grammer a dick? And they're like, yeah, he is. Let's go kill him. And then they open the door of the money plane, which again, if this was an actual plane, you couldn't do. You would just get all sucked out and everybody would be dead. But this isn't an ordinary (laughs) plane. We've established that. Yeah, it is the money plane. You can do anything on the money plane. You can have the best Wi-Fi in the world. You can open all the doors. You can stand and play cards without worrying about any kind of turbulence or anything. It's, it's yeah, it is the best plane with the best pilots ever. And they take all the money. There's cash on board again, which makes no sense. Like, why? I guess it's a money plane. It has to have Yeah, money there has on to it, be but... some money on it. And off they go. And that's it. And there's no and then- pilot. What? How does the, the, the money plane is able to land itself? Apparently, as well, because there's no pilots. Like that's fair. Pilot, they, they, I was thinking, like, so the wrestler jumps out of the plane. Ooh, how is this plane going to land? I, I mean, assume he just pressed a button that said "fly." Apparently, yes. And the plane on, was like, "Oh, well, he I put it on like, the money plane autopilot." Like the money the best plane autopilot if it, ever. If we don't have one of the world's best pilots, we just push this button and the plane flies itself. So. See, which would have been, and again, it would have had to happen off screen because they couldn't afford to do it. But what they could have had was like, they're all horrible, awful criminals anyway, right? So they jump off the plane and then the money plane just like crashes into a mountain. And they're like, hey, good job, everybody. We got all the money and all the bad guys are dead. But because there's no budget, they couldn't show the money plane. The money plane will continue to operate as normal. (laughs) Apparently, yes. That would have been repercussions. Even they though our heroes it. literally watched men get eaten by snakes and alligators, it's like, you know what, guys? you got a strong business model here, and we're not going to take that away from you. Good day. Yeah. And it's a, and you know, the, the, the fact that you called it a money plane, we can't take that away from you. So kudos, everybody. Keep up yeah. the good work. There's a plane, and guys, there is money on it, which we are taking, to be clear, but... They should have just had, like, when the movie was done, just like a, a Chiron come up, that cheap, you know, art museum style Chiron they used throughout the movie. The money plane crashed into a mountain. The bad guys all died. Yay, good guys. The, the end. end. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that's great. The bad guys all died. Yeah. But now that, then back. they couldn't make money plane two, colon money plane. I know. I assume is what they would call it. I assume there's been no chatter about a money plane two. No, I don't think. <laughs> money don't plane think there two. Was demand for that. Even moneyer than the first one. Like, oh, no. it's got to be money plane two colon money plane. Yeah, for sure. I, and again, like for a movie I had never heard of, when you mentioned it to me, and then after I watched it, I did kind of check Twitter to kind of see what the. And yeah, there's a bit of an online following for this movie. It's got yeah, it definitely. I, I, even when I looked it up, there was a pretty recent article that was like looking back on 2020's best bad movie, and <laughs> and so the thing is, it hasn't left the conversation completely. I don't think it's a that good a bad movie though, because I remember you gave no. me two options. It was either Samurai Cop or Money Plane, and I chose Money Plane because I'd never seen it. I had seen Samurai Cop. Uh, Samurai okay, I have. Samurai Cop is a fun, bad movie. I got to see that. Like our local movie theater actually played it on the big screen and a bunch of people showed up and it was just a blast. It was like a fun, bad movie. Unfortunately, except for the three scenes we mentioned, I didn't find Money Plane to be a fun, bad movie. It was unfortunately just kind of a bad movie. Yeah, like I said, you can get some fun out of the cheap sets and kind of not great acting and choreography and that, but 
it's too spread out. And yeah. so then there's just too much stuff like, you know, him flying the plane is funny at first. And then it's just like, <laughs> oh, he's there he is again, flying the plane yeah. in front of the bad, the bad green screen. And yeah, like he never leaves that scene seat. just goes on forever. And like, it's funny that, you know, whenever they show up, he's going to fight a snake, but we don't have money for a snake. So, no, he's not. So, it's just like, weird, too. You cast a wrestler. Parts. Yeah, there's you cast a wrestler and he doesn't do anything. It's like nothing. Like he gets into that, like I said, that one fight with that giant co-pilot. And then we were saying it numerous times. And then he just sits for the entire movie. It's like, it's just, yeah. And like you said, there's parts where like at first, like at the beginning, I thought, oh, it's kind of going to be, a, it's embracing kind of its cheap, fun, badness. But then it starts to take itself way too seriously and think it's an actual movie. And then, yeah. Which is what I would prefer my bad movies to do, but it doesn't have that balance. It doesn't, yeah, exactly. that, it doesn't hit that fateful findings like this is fascinatingly bad, but in consistently different ways. Yeah. This is just kind of bad because they clearly didn't have the budget to do much of anything, but you can only point and laugh at like, ah, the sets are so cheap so much before it's like, ah, it's kind of just not much here. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll definitely give it points for sincerity because it feels like its heart's in the right place. It just, yeah, literally there's no money and it just kind of loses the charm. Like I said, once we've seen him sitting in that pilot seat for 40 minutes, you're like, man, this is the one of the longest 75-minute movies I've watched in quite some yeah. time. If the tone was more in line with, like, you know, the Russian roulette scene or the other, like, yeah, exactly. just like, hang on a second. And then casually shooting a guy. Cause he's cheating at cards. Like if it had struck that kind of tone is like, there could have been more, like, it just doesn't seem to know. Is it actually purposely kind of a campy, silly thing? Or is it actually trying to be a heist movie? It's yeah. And then, yeah. So what we're saying is basically this movie needed more humorous gunshots to the head. Yes, yeah, basically. I'm just looking at my notes to make sure. Yeah, good um, idea. Dude. I, what I do I have? I have art museum, alligator. Denise Richards is here, kind of. Yeah. Um, oh, I wrote nobody should ever have to dream about Kelsey Grammer because the night before he leaves, he's in bed with Denise Richards and is having a nightmare where Kelsey Grammer yells at him. Yeah, even that, like, I was expecting, like, oh, man, we're going to get, like, a, like an old-fashioned sex scene, like in a, like an old-fashioned action movie, and nothing. Nope. Just like, a, yeah, we, we see more Kelsey Grammer. Like, that's not what I was expecting to see when the wrestler hopped into bed with Denise Richards. There's Kelsey Grammer, everybody. Uh, we talked about the sets because I wrote, just put some curtains up. It's a plane now. Yeah. Uh, that's a smooth takeoff. Thank you. Here's some exposition. This poker montage is too long. Okay, but there's no snake. Thomas Jane just got to hang out in his living room. He did indeed. This one I don't get. I wrote too dark shout out. Too dark, oh, too dark shout shootout, out. I'm guessing. I, I meant to write. Because I do remember there's a shootout, but I couldn't understand what I was looking at. All right. Did um, we mention? Then, oh, sorry. Do you go ahead? My final note was that uh, it shows the flashback when he plays the recording of Kelsey Grammer on the money plane. It then goes back and shows the scene where he puts the recording device under his desk. And I wrote that it's not even subtle. Like oh, yeah. he, Kelsey Grammer <laughs> is standing there looking at him 
and oh, he yeah. like reaches under his desk and puts that device there and then reaches back up as they're basically still conversing. Oh yeah. There's so but now that you mentioned it, there is so much sitting in this movie. Thomas Jane sits the entire movie. Kelsey Grammer sits the entire movie. The wrestler sits for most of the movie. No wonder they signed up for this movie. Like, so you're gonna pay me a decent amount of money and I just sit for the entire film? Great. Sign me Which up. Which is for that. fascinating because we watched that Seagull movie because I'd heard the legends that all he does now is organize every scene so he can just sit in a chair the entire time. And we were both kind of bummed to be like, he is actually up and walking around and doing stuff, which should be good, but isn't what I was hoping for. No, I imagine this is watching... more in line with what I wanted. Like, does everyone gets to sit in a chair the whole movie? Yeah, I imagine watching Steven Seagal try to do anything at this point is probably a little hard to watch. <laughs> Man, this guy can barely function. Maybe he should, yeah, he's... Just pull a Thomas Jane and sit the entire movie. Also, Rob did get back to me. I asked, Rob, was Edge a good guy in wrestling? Rob says, mostly. He was always comedy heel rather than true bad guy heel when going against the heroes. Most of his tag run was as a heel. Uh, see, again, then he, if they could have brought a little of that charisma to his role, because, man, his yeah, role... Yeah, if he got to play a yes. comedy heel, then that would have probably translated well here if they had done it. Oh, yeah. No, you could have had like more of a sort of a hint between a battle of between him and Kelsey Grammer for like kind of silly over the top, you know, heel moments. Like, but he is just milk toast the entire film. Like, man, yeah. there's nothing. Oh, and we, did we mention the other fight scene? Like there's the fight scene where she tears off a guy's ears. And then there's another fight scene where it looked to me like the guy just stood there while she hit him with a beer bottle or a wine bottle. Do you I remember think that, that was the one all? I was more so talking about. They're kind of melding together in my head now, though. They're all I know, bad. They're, they're all terrible. Yeah, some of the worst fight scenes ever, but literally the one where she hits the guy with the beer bottle. It oh, looks like he's on. just... A, a child is here. Yeah. <gasps> What's going on? I want to go upstairs. All of this is staying in the episode. Do you want to poo poo, oh, but you don't want to go upstairs? No, I want to poo poo. I have to poo poo, and I don't and I want to go upstairs. Okay, go ahead. But I can't. Then go poo poo downstairs. All of oh, this is staying in the episode. All this is staying as it should. My goodness. All she needed to do at the end of it was say money plane, and it would have fit in perfectly. If they come back, I'll ask if they can say it into the microphone. I need to poo-poo upstairs, money plane. I don't remember seeing a bathroom on the money plane either, by the way. So I am gonna people, try. I am gonna try and close the door though. All right. You close the door, dude. I am gonna see if I I think again, for my notes, I've got them mostly covered. Money plane. There's now an extended bit on Mike of her needing to poop. And it's all staying in. See, this is again, this is like the we're taking the the credo of the low budget making of the money plane and just like, you know what? Eh, just leave it all in. We don't need to edit. We don't need to like remove things that don't make any sense. Just leave it all in. Yeah, all of this is, yep. All of that's staying. Me asking oh, my wife man. to come and wrangle our kid. <laughs> it's gonna be the best part of the episode. That's the one that's the moment people are gonna remember. They're not going to remember us babbling on incoherently about a terrible movie for an hour. It's going to be, hey, remember that moment where she wanted to go poo-poo upstairs? 
I mean, it's actually a very fitting general theme of the movie is that it just <laughs> ends in poop talk. It ends in poop talk, exactly. Yeah, because I was looking at my notes, and I think we covered everything. The terrible uh, yeah, that was all drawing, the te- terrible like wrestler flies plane entire movie. And yeah, and then the door being opened on a plane, which makes no sense. But as we already said, it's the money plane. Anything is possible. Yeah. On the money yeah. plane. If I had to give my final January ranking based on should you watch these based on the criteria of what we're doing this month, Faithful Findings is 100%. It actually it goes almost chronological because it's Faithful Findings, it, it, then oh, Cool Cat, but the only twist is I would put Money Plane before A Good Man. Oh, okay. I was thinking, just, did I get the worst movie, but I got the no. second worst movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this will not be one because, again... Cool Cat Saves the Kids was saved by watching it alongside another person. Yeah. If this Kim is... and I had watched that separate and come back together, I think both of us would have just been like, I, I was looking at my phone because I couldn't deal with that. But because yeah. we gave it our attention and were able to both bounce off each other, that helped. Yeah, my wife Otherwise, I think it might have been the worst. My wife bailed on this movie pretty quick. She was like, this is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen you watch. I'm leaving. <laughs> so there wasn't right even call. that fun of like bouncing back and forth, like mystery science theater style during the movie. It was just me sadly watching this movie by myself. But I mean, that's similar, what I did too. So similar to the wrestler sitting in that plane by himself for the majority of the movie. That's what I was doing. Watching I mean, it was money. Kind of nice though. Cause I started it around eight and then on by like nine 15, I was done. I was like, oh, that God, is true. I could, I could do something else tonight. It doesn't quite overstay its welcome. It comes close. I mean, there's a few scenes, like we've mentioned the poker scene and a few other scenes where you're like, wow, this feels like a way longer movie than it is. But at least, yes, it, it is super short. It's it's barely like it's almost like TV show length. So. It's the length of Cool Cat Saves the Kids, I think, fittingly. So, yeah, well, there you go. There you go. So. All right. So I'm, I'm glad, dude, I got to take part in January Agony. It was, it was fun. I enjoyed yep. it. Which, of course, means now boning month. Oh, and and I, from what I've heard, dude, boning month entails really, again, you're going to do another month of really bad movies. It sounds so, like. no, okay. I, I officially changed it this afternoon because this week I've been looking at the original plan was like direct to VHS erotic thrillers from the yeah name. exactly with names like you know Fatal Seduction and Deadly Embrace and things like that. But as the there's literally hundreds of them, and a lot of them are just on YouTube, which is kind of nice. But the problem is, it just seemed like it was going to be such a roll of the dice, and that we could just end up with four boring movies with nothing to talk about. Yeah. So instead, we're sticking with that, but it's just going to be 90s erotic thrillers. Oh, okay. Now, okay, sorry, dude, go ahead. I was going to guess what one of them would be. One of them is going to be Body of Evidence. Okay, can I guess some of the others? uh, You can, if only because I haven't decided them and I can steal (laughs) some ideas. All right, well, it feels like you got to go with Basic Instinct. Don't you? I mean, that's like the quintessential 90s, but, you know, erotic but thriller. Keeping with our brand, doesn't that mean we should avoid Basic Instinct? Like when we did a month of Sandra Bullock movies and everyone went, oh, Miss Congeniality, and we went, nope. But Basic Instinct, dude, could be one of those movies where you watch it 
now, like, because, you know, again, the name of the show being So Do You We Still Like This, Basic Instinct was a monster movie when it came out. It made Sharon Stone's career. It was, a you know, career defining for everybody involved in it. When you watch it now, I'm going to guess it may not hold up quite as well. So it might be interesting to kind of revisit a movie that was such a genre defining kind of movie. Maybe. But what if instead we did Sliver? I was going to say, <laughs> yes, either that or you do Sharon Stone's follow up with one of the Baldwins. Which one is it again? It's not Alec. It's Billy. It's the, yes. Billy Baldwin's in it. Yes. Sliver. It all takes the, place in like a high rise building. Who did the Cindy Crawford erotic action movie f- fair game? Oh, that was one of them. Was that, that Billy was a, Baldwin? That too? was Billy Baldwin. Because well. if we could do all 90s Billy oh. Baldwin erotic thrillers, that would be next level. I think, dude, we've created a theme right here during this podcast. Billy Baldwin erotic thrillers. I bet you there's four Billy Baldwin erotic thrillers out there. We've already got two. You're halfway there. All right. I will look that up while you tell us something that you are currently enjoying. All right. Well, what uh, I am currently enjoying since we just went through a month while you went through a month of terrible bad movies. I only had to watch one. Thank goodness. I am going to tell all you listeners that you should watch the movies that have been nominated for Best Picture for this year's Academy Awards. The nominations were announced on Tuesday. And I got to say, I've seen nine of the 10 Best Picture nominees, and all of them are good. You've got Oppenheimer, of course, probably you've already all seen that. You've got Barbie. You've got uh, The Zone of Interest, the only one I haven't seen yet. Past Lives is a really, really good movie. The Holdovers is a fantastic movie. So look up the Oscar nominations and start watching some of those best pictures because I heartily recommend all of them. I think it's one of those years where it's usually one of those, you know, one year there'll be one movie and they're like, "Mm, I don't know about that. But this year, I got to say, all of them are fairly top notch and most of them are pretty readily accessible right now. Like there's uh, Maestro. I didn't mention that one. That one's on Netflix. A lot of them are streaming. A lot of them are available to watch at home or even better. You can go to the movie theater because a lot of the movie theaters in probably your city and my city and everybody's cities are playing the best picture nominees on the big screen. So go see them on the big screen. The way they were meant to be seen and enjoy some actual good movies after having to have watched all these January movies that Sean has been making us watch the last month. Well, I think tomorrow I'm cleansing my palate with poor things. So, oh, that's such a good movie. I forgot about that one. Poor thing. Emma Stone. I, oh, I might make so my wife watch Past Lives tonight because Past Lives is very good. It's very good. I, I've been building up like apparently it's a super good movie. She's like, yeah, but it sounds sad. It's like it's yeah, it's going to be sad, but oh, yeah, it's best it's, picture season. It's it is going to be sad. sad. Like once There's you get past Barbie, it's like that's pretty much it. Yeah, Barbie's probably the only, like, even Barbie gets sad in moments. And I guess maybe Oppenheimer, which is like a bummer at times, but I don't think I was, anyone was ever like, oh, poor Oppenheimer. But yeah, else? It, yeah it's, a, it's a really solid, like, and I know there's been like some other, some of the other uh, categories, like people that weren't nominated, people are upset about, like Margot Robbie didn't get nominated for Barbie, Gerby didn't get nominated for Barbie, Leonardo DiCaprio didn't get uh, nominated for Flowers of the Killer Moon, another excellent Killers of the movie Flower that's nominated. For, did you say Sorry. Flowers of the Killer Moon? 
You said flowers. Well, yeah. the, the, Martin, the Martin Scorsese movie. Yes, it's also nominated for Best Picture. It's also very good. It's three and a half hours long, so plan your day accordingly. That, that is. It is. That's yeah. the other thing about Best Picture time is all these movies, Fast Lives, which is like a lean hour forty. Every single one is. Well, we're gonna have to watch this over a couple. Like, I didn't even realize Anatomy of a Fall is like two forty, which I didn't oh, realize. And man, dude, that movie is so good. Like, I got to see that movie at a film festival in a packed audience, and the applause at the end of that movie was some of the loudest applause I've been part of in a movie theater. So yeah, again, Best Picture nominees all really good. You can't go wrong with any of them. So start watching them now. The Oscars are in like a couple of months. So, and what have you been enjoying, dude? You know what movie we just watched for the first time? Oh, what one? Crimson Tide. Oh, Crimson Tide, dude. Now, let me, before I say my thoughts on Crimson Tide, what were your thoughts on Crimson Tide? Crimson Tide is a great movie. Uh, uh, it's, we, a, it's a fantastic movie. It's so good. We had to split it up over two nights just, you know, because that's usually how we have to do movies when we're watching yeah. them during the week. And when we stopped after the first one, I was talking to my wife the next morning and she was, I was like, yeah, I couldn't really get to sleep. She was like, me neither. The movie just had me like too jacked up. Oh, it's so like, tension filled, isn't it? For anyone who doesn't know, Crimson Tide is Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman on a submarine. And it's basically a debate over whether they should launch nuclear weapons because there is a communication that gets cut off. Yeah. And so they don't know this communication if it was going to say, yes, do it or absolutely do not. So Gene Hackman is very much on the side of because there's also a countdown when the Russian sub or whatever is going to become capable of firing weapons. So they're on a time limit to make that decision. So Gene Hackman is very like, we got to fire, we got to fire. And Denzel Washington is like, no, 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 no. We got to see, we got to fix the comms and see what that message was going to say. And like, that's the crux of the movie. But man, is it they wring every bit of tension they can out of that. I feel like I'm frozen because of the look on your face, but I'm just going to keep talking. Yeah, sorry, dude, you broke up. <laughs> I was like, I was on pins and needles waiting to come back. because I'm like, oh, my goodness, I just want to talk about Crimson Tide. But yes, I got I got the general gist of the fact that you very much enjoyed the movie and that your wife also enjoyed the movie and that you needed to finish watching it because you needed to find out how it finished basically. Yeah. And I basically, that was just me describing the plot of Crimson. Yeah. And so like, it's Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman at like the height of their powers. And I remember after seeing the movie way back when, where I worked, I was constantly saying like, where the job I used to have, basically at some point you would have to sort of take over control of a room. Uh, got the comms. And I would just, Oh yes. I would say, I got the comm. Yeah. I've got the comm. So, I've got the, I com. have the comm. Oh, all the time. People are like, yeah, we get it. We saw Crimson Tide. We understand. <laughs> it's also one of those movies where like, oh, shit, there's James Gandolfini and there's Viggo Mortensen and there's Steve Zahn for a half second. Like, it's one of those like, oh, everybody here is somebody movies. Oh, I know. Yeah, that's a, another fun part of watching movies of that era. Just like people that are playing bit roles as sporting roles. And oh, man, that guy went on to, you know, be this guy or be this guy. And, and yeah, it's just so much fun watching two excellent actors just kind of going at each other and you know neither one's like the good guy or the bad guy like they both could be wrong they both could be right it's just oh it's so good yeah i cannot yeah that's a good yeah. recommendation it's Crimson probably Tide on best. disney plus i haven't checked for sure i i had the disc so but yeah everyone 
just go just watch Crimson Tide. And I feel oh, like we should wrap this up because I'm clearly I, I, freezing I, I, a lot. Keep freezing, so. dude. Are we all right? Yeah, I mean it's fine on my end. So, all right, it's fine on your end. It must it's be fine end. here. So, okay. Should I just turn off my? Should I turn off my Wi-Fi super quick to wrap it up, or because maybe because okay I just. I mean, it's working right now. Let's just let's just wrap it up. Okay. All right. Because uh, yeah. Okay. So I'll let you take it away, and then let me know when I can do my uh, my my quote. Okay. So that is Money Plane. That is Januagony. Stay tuned for four weeks of Boning Month, and of course, Chris is going to take us out with a classic quote from two thousand right. Money Plane. So here we go. And again, I apologize because this is like the easiest quote from money plane but here we go i don't give a fuck who's on the plane i'm the baddest motherfucker on the planet i am darius grouch the third the rumble and i am taking down the money plane now bring me my money that's perfect thank you good night everybody Nostalgic, I also do and sit like this. You want to bet on a dude fucking an alligator? Money playing.